0: Let me pray. Loving Father, may my words and the thoughts and meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I don't know how you felt when that Old Testament reading was was being presented. Uh, Whether you felt what a weird thing to happen, what a terrible thing to happen. How could you possibly think God would allow such a thing to happen? or even say it well it's very difficult isn't it when we are confronted by things like that Uh, what does the scripture actually teach us well in Genesis 22 we read that Abraham is visited by God again but we don't know actually when it is and uh, it comes as a test to him Uh, we learn that Isaac is no longer a baby But he's now a young lad who's able to carry a reasonable load of wood for his father. And as we read through this section in uh, Genesis 22, we note that this time God does not bring a word of encouragement to Abraham. He doesn't give him a promise. He doesn't even offer him a blessing. He just comes with a word of command and the command is very clear and very explicit and if we just read it phrase by phrase uh, take your son your only son isaac whom you love and go to the region of moriah sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains i will tell you about And it's interesting that each word is emphasised and it it builds on the previous words. And it's as though somebody's sort of punching you in the stomach as you read it through. You think, how could this be happening? How could God be asking Abraham and Sarah, who've for such a long time been waiting for the birth of this promised son, to now go and sacrifice him. So you can just imagine the impact upon Abraham as he reflected upon the implications of this command by the Lord God. you have got to admit that this request or demand is surprising, even for us, the readers. Uh, It catches us by surprise that God would actually say such a thing. Nothing up to this point has provided any clue that something like this might happen. And so we're as surprised as Abraham, doubtless. The demand is clearly gut-wrenching and as the twists get tighter with every phrase, so you can feel with Abraham what it must have been like to hear these words from God himself perhaps what strikes us most about God's demand is that it is so seemingly absurd. We've closely followed the drama of Abraham and Sarah's childlessness for some uh, dozen chapters, both here in church and in your uh, growth groups if you belong to one. And is God now flying in the face of his promise we ask ourselves? The real problem for Abraham and for us is that God seemingly is contradicting his own word now is this our understanding and experience of God Christians of today are not exactly in the same position as Abraham he was the head of God's covenant people and in that sense he holds a position that none of us share but after one makes certain distinctions, some hard facts remain. There are still Abraham-like situations that God's people tend to face, and the text invites you and me to ponder this fact and dilemma. Uh, We don't face Abraham's particular trial, but we do face generic trials that happen to us all. For example, when someone Uh, sometimes uh, feels that God appears not to match up with their own uh, thinking about how God should be, or indeed God's own picture that he gives us of himself. You know, sometimes God's ways appear not to match up with his own declared character. When given the mess that he is, uh, uh, you know, taking us through, it doesn't seem that God, our Is our refuge and our strength a very present help in time of trouble as uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 46 1 and nor does it appear that our God uh, through his Son our Lord Jesus Christ is any different. For example uh, Jesus seems somewhat uh, off-handed about Lazarus to dire illness and he stays two days longer before he heads off to do anything about it, as we read in John 11. And that's hard to understand, because we read in earlier verses in John 11 that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And so we scratch our heads and we say, well, if that's the case, how come Jesus isn't doing something immediately about this man who's about to die? Genesis 22 at least helps cushion us for such times, because it tells us that very likely we're going to have problems with God's ways because we don't know his full story. And while the tension inside Abraham during that day and night must have been incredible, nevertheless, he obeys the Lord's command. His confusion and grief show themselves in the events of the next morning. Abraham keeps himself busy. But if we look at the tasks that he undertakes at that particular time, uh, he seems to get them all out of sequence. For example, first of all, he saddles the donkey. Then he goes and gathers a couple of servants and Isaac himself. And thirdly, he cuts the wood that will consume his son before they set out on their journey to the place of God's choice. Now, it's about 70 kilometres to travel, 70 kilometres that they're going to move, have to move at quite a, uh, a quick pace. And on the third day, Abraham looks up and he sees the appointed place on the horizon. And eventually they stop and Abraham instructs the servants to stay with the donkey while he and Isaac go on further to worship God. And here we see his obedience demonstrated in that he does what God has told him to do. So what's sustaining the obedience of Abraham at this time? Is it not the conviction that he and the lad will come back to them? And he even says that to the servants. You stay here with the donkey, I and the lad are going off to worship, and we will come back to you. Now, some of the commentators suggest that Abraham was simply covering up and saying uh, what he says uh, so the servants wouldn't get suspicious about what was going on. But that's to forget that by this time, Abraham had a history with the Lord God and his faithfulness towards those who trust their lives to him. And this is what the past experience had taught him. The Lord God could be trusted implicitly to work out his purposes in a way faithful to his word. Also, he witnessed God's bringing life out of the deadness of Sarah's womb plus all the other reassuring things that God had done for him up to that point. We need to note well Abraham's question of Genesis 18, 25. He says, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And now in chapter 22, he's putting that statement into practice as he believes God and he trusts him implicitly, even saying to the servants, we're going to go and worship. We're coming back to you in a, in a short while. Faith is now reinforced by his experience in God's nature, and that's the thing that still anchors Abraham's faith. As Hebrews 11:8 explains, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And so it is that Abraham takes the wood, loads it on his son. He then takes the knife, which he used to slit the throats of animals and carve them up. And together they silently walk up the hill, executioner and victim. And suddenly the boy speaks. He knows that there is something wrong. Genesis 6 and following father. Yes, my son. The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But, verse 11 and following, the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. it will be provided and god then reiterated his promise to abraham with an oath and so abraham's obedience is a clear demonstration of his faith and is acknowledged by such by the lord god himself hebrews 11 17 to 19 by faith abraham when god tested him offered Isaac as a sacrifice he who was, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son even though God had said to him it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead and so in a matter of speaking he did receive Isaac back from death Now, as I look out on this uh, audience here this morning, this congregation, I'm guessing that uh, most of us don't like tests, do we? Some of us, uh, maybe HSC or something like that, was a dreadful time in our lives. That might have marred the way we think forever and ever. (laughs) But even little tests, you know, we don't like being put to the test at work, by our spouse whatever it is now this test of Abraham is similar to when God put Adam to the test by placing him in a situation where he had to trust God to provide and to have his best interests at heart and God puts Abraham in a situation where it's difficult to believe that these things are true and asks Abraham to believe him and to obey him. And where Adam failed, Abraham succeeded. And Abraham categorically demonstrated that he loved God with all his heart, soul, body, mind and strength. And he showed that he loved God more than he loved anything and proved that he was not in a relationship with God for what he could get out of it. Rather, he was in a relationship with God because he trusted God and loved God wholeheartedly. So, how does the story of Abraham impact upon how we should love and faithfully serve our Lord Jesus Christ, God's great provision for us? Well, Hebrews 11:17 to 19, which I read, the writer there talks figuratively really about this passage, and. He says that Abraham received Isaac back from death in a manner that prefigured the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The similarities in the two stories are very striking. God had a beloved son. And he does not withhold his son. And that son fully cooperated with the father. And the difference is also striking, for with Jesus there is no last-minute rescue. And you see, it's not the nails that were hanging Jesus on the cross and keeping him there. It was his love for you and for me. At any time, the Son of God could have come down from that cross, as all the people in the crowd kept yelling out, if you are the Son of God, come down from the cross of course jesus could have come down from the cross there was nothing him holding him there except his love for you and for me to pay that debt that we owe to god jesus truly dies as the sacrificial lamb in our place and in so doing god demonstrates again that he is the god who provides our every need And thus the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So what God kept Abraham from doing, he himself did for our benefit. The death of Jesus, the Lord God provides our deepest need our need for forgiveness, our need for salvation, our need for the means of being with God in the heavenly home for all eternity. And we're to put our faith in Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, and live that out day by day by faithfully applying the truth of the scriptures in our lives and being people who read the Bible and believe it and who who say, I want to be like that person God wants me to be. I want to focus on Jesus and be like him, that in every way I might please him in what I think and do and say. Now, this is where the rubber meets the road for all Christians, because God tests us even today. He doesn't tempt us as Satan does so that we might fail. rather God tests us so that we might succeed and our faith prove to be genuine and such testing occurs when we face situations that reveal the quality of our faith and our devotion he tests us so that he we and everyone else can see the genuineness of our trust in him after all As James says faith without works is dead and by such means God strengthens our faith and matures our character leading us into a fuller assurance of his love and kindness in other words God tests us for our good now I know we fail every one of us fails we fail really but God is a loving forgiving God who will lift us up show us the right path to lead and to live that day by day martin luther said something interesting you can't stop the birds from flying over your head but if you're unlike me you can stop them nesting in your hair right temptation comes What do we do about it? I'm strong enough to resist this. You silly, blithering idiot. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. It just slipped out. No, we should turn to God and ask for the strength of his Holy Spirit to serve him faithfully day by day. So let us, uh, with the Holy Spirit's guidance, the Holy Spirit's help, and his strength, Faithfully serve God all our days that we might please him in all we do and thereby prove to be faithful in his service. Amen.